I was really good at playing the victim. I had figured out a way to play the victim in many different scenarios and in many different ways. And I, I learned it so good that I, I figured out how to do it um, with work, with family, with friends, with anything, anything that you will give me at that time, I could always find a way to play the victim. Now I was able to accomplish things still in that time. I wasn't so far lost in victimhood that I wasn't doing things with my, with my life, but I could blame the lack of further development on something. It, it was basically a big journey of just not taking ownership for shit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our hope with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, but most importantly, a safe space to live authentically with a community of conscious kings. Every week, we will take a deep dive into topics such as toxic masculinity, men's mental health, personal relationships, conscious leadership, and powerful guest appearances. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you every single day in the arena of misunderstood masculinity. Let's get into today's episode. What's going on, everyone? What is going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Mask Unity Podcast. I'm your co-host, CK. It's your boy, Anwar Ahmed, aka A Squared. We appreciate you so much for joining us for another powerful episode. And this one is a great one because it's going to be aimed specifically at the concept of Movember and men's mental health and all the things that Movember is a part of. So we're going to get into some details about this, this specific charity and what they do and how they support and also how we integrate ourselves into these spaces and why it's so important for us to have this conversation and what it means to us. But before we do that, you always know what time it is. It's Moochad. A voice cracked a little bit there. (laughs) (laughs) What I do, what I do, what I do, baby. What's going on? How you doing, man? How you feeling today? What's up? What's up? What's up? I am. Sun looks like it's shining in there. Sun looks like it's shining in there. I got some beauty sun. That's one of the, the beautiful parts about being back in Calgary is that although it can get very cold and winters are not very nice, the sun is always here. Always. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. It's so great. And we're very fortunate, <clears throat> uh, Gabby and I, to be in a position where the sun is coming in. We're facing south. So we get it pretty much all day. So it allows like these plants behind me to grow beautifully and it allows us to obviously improve our moods because the sun is always in our apartment. Always. Mm-hmm. So we're very, very grateful. So waking up with mornings with the sun like this always makes me feel incredible. I always feel ready to go for the day. I feel empowered. I feel energetic. So this morning, I actually feel that way. I feel great. I woke up, I had a great sleep. I take like 0.2 milliliters of CBD oil when I want to get really good sleeps. And I noticed that that is the perfect amount for me to wake up and not feel a little sluggish and feel energized. So I woke up before my alarm this morning and it 
I, I felt ready to go. I didn't feel like I wanted to wait for my alarm or that I had to, or I should get more sleep. So it was, it you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to thank the universe for that, for giving well, you an extra hour. <laughs> uh, well, I already did this morning. Yeah. I <laughs> walked into this conversation. Kind of like, oh, I, I woke up an hour before my alarm clock. <laughs> Meanwhile, the universe has flipped the clock on him. Come on now. Come on. Now. You woke up on time. You didn't wake up an hour before. Fair. Fair. Cheeky, yes. Cheeky. For, for those that don't know in, in my, in Canada, almost pretty much every place, I think there's only a few that don't, we have daylight savings. So we're currently getting off of it. So it's fall back. So at 2 a.m., I think it became 1 a.m. So I went to bed at 1230, then two o'clock rolled around and all of a sudden it was one. So I got an extra hour of sleep as you did in Toronto. Uh, so you better be feeling refreshed this morning as well. You know what? I woke up an hour before my alarm clock today too, <laughs> and, uh, was shocked. I uh, couldn't believe how rested I was. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, how am I doing today, man? How am I doing today? Yeah, I got that extra. I got I got that extra hour of sleep too. It came to Toronto. Uh, mm -hmm. we, yeah, it came here too. We got that extra hour of sleep. I have. Um, I don't know if uh, a lot of people know about this, but there's like this like light. I think it's like called the Philips light, and it like replicates like a sun. Like it's got like. Uh, have you ever seen it? Oh yeah, I've, I've, I've been in your room before. I know what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. So I've had that. So I've been kind of flirting with this like five a.m. to six a.m. wake up time. You know, like trying to mm. get up in that in that space. And I figured out a way that I can. The two problems that I have when I sleep is if it's too warm and too cozy underneath the sheets, there's that like that extra layer of toughness to get out. Mm -hmm. And then the darkness. If it's dark, mm. it's another layer of like, okay, damn, this alarm clock's gone off and snooze, 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 snooze right? Um, so I found a way actually, so that my, this alarm clock, it lights up my room at five. So at five, it starts to slowly light up my room. So now my room is lit up, but my alarm clock goes off at five 30. But when the alarm clock goes off and my eyes wake up, there's already light in the room. So my body's getting introduced with, Hey, you got to mm -hmm. get up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but then I set it up so that it turns off at seven. So it goes back to dark at seven. So what I've learned in this process is like, I know when I'm in that time frame, because if I wake up and I've hit snooze a couple of times and I've gone back and now it's dark in my room, I know I'm past that 7 a.m. I'm past the 7 a.m. threshold. So it's psychologically, you're like, you did it again. You know, like you mm -hmm. need to get up. You have like a two hour window, an hour and a half to get it together. So as long as I'm like, I see that there's light in my room, as long as my room is still lit up, I know that I'm in that time frame. And it's really pushed me to kind of just get up, pull it out, pull it together, pull it together. Mm. Um, there's been times where I've barely made it. Like I'm finally getting up and on my feet and it's like 6.58. And like while I'm putting on my clothes, um, it goes dark in my room. But like I've already done that. I've already gotten up. I'm already right. on my feet, you know, so. It's been a really cool thing to play with. And then today it went dark in my room, but my alarm clock went off at the exact same time. And I was like, what the heck is going on? So my alarm was on for six, but it, mm -hmm. there was a daylight saving thing. So it, my, my clock didn't adjust that clock. Uh, didn't adjust, So it went dark. Right. So I was like body clock, very confused. Like I was like, <laughs> what's going on? Like it's dark in my room, which means it's gotta be past seven, but my alarm is going off anyway. Super really confusing for you guys. But all that to say, <laughs> um, that I've been, yeah, I've been sleeping in a kind of a very, very rhythmic type of pattern. And it's really increased. And what I love about it is it's not actually strict. It's just like, it's in the ballpark of like, so if I wake up at the 530 and I feel tired, I just like take it to six. Like, you know what I mean? I, I try mm. to just stay within that ballpark. And I've been doing it on the weekends too, which has kept the consistency of not having to go back again and revert to figuring it all out. So, mm. um, that's been, I, I've really been enjoying, you know, my sleeps lately. Um, 
and I've been, it's put me in a better mood too, getting up, feeling, mm-hmm. feeling refreshed, uh, feeling ready to tackle the day. Um, but in terms of my mood specifically, my favorite question, I feel busy. Mm. Yeah. Busy. Definitely. That that's, that's a hundred percent how I feel. Like, I feel like there's a lot going on. Um, and not busy in the sense of like, it's chaotic and sporadic and Mm. it's just busy in the sense of like, there's just stuff to get done. Like just, you know, there's just things to like, and I'm everything that I'm kind of working on. I I've, I've moved far, far enough down the line that it's like, it's commitment time, you know, like it's, there's no more like leaving it behind or forgetting about it. It's like, I I'm on, I'm on a good, like three months run here with the gym. It's like, there's no way you're going to go back into whatever old habit you had. Like you got to keep pushing mm-hmm. that forward. Work is going well. The podcast is going well. Like everything is being pushed forward. So it's like, you just got to like now maintain the pace. You just got to maintain the, you know, and it's like looking around sometimes you've been like, it's busy. It's a lot mm-hmm. going on, but you know, there's a lot of good things going on. Um, I feel like the, the changing of seasons and the weather, um, is definitely like throwing a wrinkle in, um, the routines that you've had in place for so long. Cause now it's mm-hmm. cold, right? So yep. it's like, you got to shift gears a little bit. You got to start adjusting to like, okay, cool. How can I start adjusting for January, February, you know, some of these colder months. Um, and so that little shift too, I'm trying to get ahead of that, but I feel good. I feel good. I feel, I feel busy, but in control. And that's mm. like a, you know, a good place to be, um, busy in control on top of it. Um, what, what does, I, what, what does busy and in control feel like? What would be like a mood that comes out of busy and in control, like a feeling determined. Mm. I like that. Determined's a great word. Yeah. I just feel, yeah, I feel determined. I feel, I feel like I like when you give me the task right now, I just want to run through it versus like shy away and shrink. You know what I mm. mean? Like it's like, it's kind of like, which is a testament to what I think is like me going back to, and we'll, we'll get into this in the conversation is like finding that confidence. You know what I mean? To be mm. determined, you need confidence. Right. And some of the adjustments that I've made in terms of like the last couple months of just, you know, getting back to being like, I'm going to do stuff for me. Like I'm going to work out and not put that behind. Cause when I look at myself in the mirror, I want to feel good about that. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. do this. I'm going to, you know, my, I, I, I wasn't really feeling like, you know, my closet and my clothes. And I just kind of was like, screw this. I'm gonna throw some stuff out. I'm going to get some new things. Um, and that, that slow kind of progression of confidence over the last couple of months has built into a demeanor of like, I'm ready to run through some walls. Like, mm. you know what I mean? You start feeling good. You start feeling confident. You start ready. You, you start finding that, um, that hunger for, for life again. Um, and so, yeah, determined, but I think to get to determined was a little process. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I feel like it wasn't just, um, you woke up and you're like determined because of like the, the adversity. I feel like it's harder to be determined when you're just like trying to overcome adversity. It's easier right. to be determined when you're just like, I feel good. Let's right. go. You know what I mean? Um, I love that. And, and you know, I asked because obviously we talk a lot about what the mood check means and, and how we go about processing our mood. So having an actual feeling attached to what we're doing is, is powerful. But to take it uh, into the direction of what you were talking just before we get into the conversation, I was talking to um, Edward, uh, you, your roommate and my best, one of my best friends yesterday. And he was telling me about how busy he is. Right. He's got so much going on. He's got school. He's got work. He's got practicum. He's got so much going on and he's always on the move. And through that process, there's obviously 
struggles, right. And challenges. But what he was telling me is that he feels busy in the sense that there isn't a lot of time necessarily to give to himself. Right. And so then here's my, you know, my coaching self coming in and being like, you know, how do we find time for self? But then he said something to me that was, I would say quite enjoyable and always a beautiful perspective. That's, that's what he offers a lot of time is he said, but you know what? Like I've, I feel at peace with what I'm doing. Like the busyness that I, that I have and the busyness that's going on, I feel at peace with it. Like, I feel like I am giving to myself, even though I'm not like, you know, resting in the, the, the normal term or whatever. Like I feel at peace with it all and finding my edge and moving beyond it every day is also what's bringing me peace. And it was just a beautiful reframe because I think that, especially in today's culture, we talk a lot about you know, take time for yourself and slow down and relax. And while that is still true in some capacity, I think what I learned from him and what I think is probably speaking to your experience as well is that you can be in the busyness, but the perspective towards what the busyness is and what it means to you is going to determine really your quality of life every day, right? You have so much going on. I know you do. And yet you sit here and you're like, I feel determined and I feel you know, motivated and I feel X, Y, Z and all of these things. And with that, it seems as if you are in a general sense of peace with it all, even though it's as busy as it is. Very well put. I mean, he's that, that guy's good for, good for, you know, perspective for sure. Um, Edward is uh, very good with, you know, figuring things out and then like being able to put meaning to it and being mm-hmm. able to, um, I think a lot of that comes from his ability to slow down mentally. He, he meditates a lot, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a skill set of his that I admire deeply. Um, and a hundred percent. I think that it's, it's, it's the, it's the at peace with the fact that you're busy, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's the idea that like, because I find that when you're seeking it to stop, you're stressed, right? If you're busy, and your goal internally is for it to stop. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're trying to like really go for it so that it slows down maybe for a couple of days or like whatever. It's like, it's almost like the reverse. It's like the reverse of what you want. Like you get more tired out, you get more exhausted because you're just like, oh, what if I just go harder for Thursday and Friday and then maybe I'll get Saturday, Sunday off. And then right. the universe is like, nah, I still need you to do this on Saturday. I still need you to do this on Sunday. It's like, so I could have just chilled on Thursday and Friday and not right. have gone so over the top i think that that <laughs> hamster wheel is what's exhausting you know mm-hmm. but when you're just at peace with the the busyness and you're like okay that's just busy like mm-hmm. it's just busy how do i now make sure that i am not getting overwhelmed by the busy and actually like being productive you know a mm-hmm. big thing for me mentally was shifting from the idea of strategizing around the day versus being in the day do the day mm-hmm. I'm a big strategizer and I want to think about how I'm going to go about the week. I'm like, okay, so I'll maybe take out like a nice 30 minutes out of my day, but I'm going to do this first. I'm going to do this first. I'm going to do this first. I'm like, buddy, bend this strategy and just start knocking things off the list. Mm. You will feel better at the end of the week when you know you've just done stuff versus like strategized how you were going to do it all. You know what I mean? I used to study Mm. like that too. When I was in university, I remember I would like get the textbook out and be like, okay, I'm going to learn chapter one first. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to take, I take two hours to write down how I'm going to learn when mm-hmm. I could have just learned chapter one and two in those two hours, right? Two chapters down. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so that's the whole, you know, philosophy and the idea around just like accepting it, you know, accepting the busy and being like, and my life is not, nothing is going to stop. 
these things that are making me busy, is this podcast planning on stopping? No. Is my job mm. planning on stopping? No. Is the gym planning on stopping? No. Like, wh- wh- where am I expecting this to stop? So it's a matter mm-hmm. of just like enjoying the ride. You know what I mean? Enjoying right. the ride, being grateful that you're busy, you know, enjoying the, and understanding like I'm lucky that I'm healthy enough to have a busy life. Mm. Like I have, like I wake up with this restful sleep. What are you doing with it? Right. I've given you this beautiful sleep. You're rested. You're up at 5 a.m. What are you doing? Like, right. that's a privilege. You know what I mean? Like, work with it. Do some, you know? And so, um, but like what you've always preached to me, it's like, when it does get out of control, also know that too. Also know that, okay. Right. <laughs> now your sleeps aren't restful anymore. You're tired. Mm-hmm. You're exhausted. You're not, your output's gone to shit. Um, slow down and speed up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a big theme of today's conversation. And I think that this is what I know to be true about you and Edward in your experience and what you're currently navigating. Uh, something that I think was just reminded of the other day was to just continue to do the maintenance, right? Like in this busyness that you guys are, are, are in right now and, and that, and that whole process, like there's so many things to focus on and do and be a part of and accomplish and whatnot in the process of, <clears throat> excuse me, all of that, you're still doing things for self, right? Like you're still moving your body and you're still eating well and stretching and taking care of your mental and doing like, it's not like those things are non-existent. Mm-hmm. So you're doing the maintenance. And so in that space comes great sleeps and comes great focus and comes great energy because the maintenance has continued. So I think that's really what I think the the reframe is, is although you're busy, you're not saying you don't have time for these things. You're saying I'm doing them and that's what's making me a bit more busy and mm-hmm. fills my day. And the power behind that is, well, two incredible people now just in great mindsets, feeling good, doing really well and at peace with it all. And I think that's really so much of what we try to support and, and support ourselves with this podcast is, is how do we find more peace with ourselves and what we're doing? And again, theme of the podcast today, do the maintenance, find the peace just powerful. So anyways, I praise you too for that. It's incredible. I love it. And it's, it teaches me too, because sometimes I look at the busyness and I automatically shun it. I say, no, like that's, there's something wrong there. Or like, why don't I have time for other things or X, Y, Z? Like I'll start to blame the busyness. And I think that's uh, very common these days. So we're Mm -hmm. blaming, like you said, the perspective is if you're blaming the busyness, if you're, when is it going to end busyness, then it starts to be tumultuous. But a lot of that comes with the reframe and the mindset of, of what is the busyness and how, why are you busy? Because you are enjoying the things you're doing or because you're doing things you don't enjoy. It's another big reframe, right? So mm-hmm. another um, thing too, I, I always cautious people is be, be very weary of how you use the word I'm busy. Mm. You will mentally put yourself in a trap. Mm. You keep telling yourself you're busy, right? Like I always, you know, it's always the only thing that comes to mind when I think of like, Oh, it's too busy is blah, 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 blah. Is like, is that, you know, that quote about like, you know, Beyonce has 24 hours in a day too. Like, you know what I mean? And like these other, like the time is the same for everybody. Everybody's got 24 hours. So, so when you think about that, the reality is, is that you realize that some people strategize around that, that 24 hours better than others. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's, that's really what it is. It's not the time. It's Mm -hmm. like what they do in the time frame and how they strategize around it, how they think about it. Um, And so I feel like that's more empowering. You know, imagine you found out like Beyonce got 28 hours. You'd be like, the hell, that's unfair. Right. You know what I mean? Or or like even your, na- your neighbor, don't even go so far. People are like, Beyonce has money. She has people paying. Yeah, she does. She, <laughs> but she didn't always have that. Like she, at one point she had to get to her 
thing with just the same 24 hours you did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so take someone closer to you. Take someone who's achieving a little bit more than you that's to the left of you. What about them? You know what I mean? Um, and I think that it's way more empowering to realize at the end of all of that, like, oh, this is the thinking thing. This is a strategizing thing. Because then it puts you back in the driver's seat of like, all right, let me create my own destiny then. Mm-hmm. You know? Versus thinking that it's so outside of you. It's like superpowers and like things that are like, you know, things that you can't a- achieve. And like, you know, I think it's always more empowering when I realize like it's just a thinking thing. It's just mm-hmm. a thinking thing. It's like a, it's a strategy thing. And it makes me go like, okay, cool. Let me reframe how I'm like thinking about stuff then. Mm-hmm. And then usually when I do that, things start to get better. All right, so to get into the conversation today about Movember, men's mental health, men's physical health. For those that don't know, uh, Movember is a, I would say a, a charity, I believe is what they call themselves, but they're more of a movement from what I understand. And Movember came into my space because the word Movember means uh, mustache November, I believe, because you essentially grow your facial hair in support of men's mental health and men's physical health. And specifically, you're supposed to grow a mustache only. But a lot of times now they've, they've kind of upgraded. You can, you can grow any kind of thing. You want to grow handlebars. You want to grow the, the big bushy beard, whatever you want to grow. Uh, but you shave it at the beginning of the month. You shave it to kind of start over and start fresh is, is what, I'm, what I'm told. So the reason that we're talking about this is because, well, it's November. So that's very fitting. And November is pretty much perfectly aligned with why we're doing this podcast is it is a focus on men's mental health and suicide prevention. It is a space that focuses on educating men on prostate cancer, which is uh, from what I've learned, the second most common cancer to come across men and to also educate them about testicular cancer and combining all of these into one big corporation, one big movement that is and has spread everywhere. And, And their goals are so incredible. Their goals are so massive. They're talking about how, they want to reduce the male suicide by 25%, which in the context of like life, that's so many people that they would technically, I guess you could call it save by educating and providing resources and community and just the information necessary to support a lot of the mental health struggles that we do face. And on top of that, with the prostate cancer, they are looking to half the number of men that develop or at least have serious symptoms of to reach it early. And they also want to half prostate cancer. They might have been to get prostate cancer again by educating early and educating in, in a way that uh, allows us like for ourselves to just know what's wrong, know the symptoms, know what's happening. So we wanted to do this episode specifically today to talk about a little bit about our mental health challenges, a little bit about our physical health and what that means and how our experiences have developed and where we are today in support of this movement, in support of this Movember. So uh, diving in, right? Uh, we want to talk first about m- mental health. And we have many times before, right? Mental health is the, pretty much the caveat to this entire podcast, our, our men's mental health, because the stats are not changing. We're still three times more likely. That's still in Canada, every three out of four is a man who is taking his own life. It's not uncommon. And f- from my perspective, I think the pandemic really fueled that unfortunately it fueled the loneliness it fueled the struggles and a lot of men are still not sure how to get out of that feeling so what we want to talk about is is a bit of our experience in the last year and what that has looked like and 
how we've been able to navigate it ourselves because it's been a journey and how we've navigated it with other people. And it's so important for us to have this conversation. So I'll, I'll let you take it away. I know that you have a little bit of story ready to go for all of the listeners. So walk us through a bit of your mental health and maybe physical health and the challenges that have come your way in the last, you know, six months to a year or farther back if, if you like, and I guess just express how that's, how that's been for you. Yeah. I think that this, um, this conversation and just November in general, you know, the same way we look at new years and you go into a reflective state, you know, you go into a reflective state on the year. And, um, I think that November is a, is, is a great month to like have that same reflective state, but way more directive, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you're a man and, November, you see the November come around, do a full little deep dive. Like how was that last year mentally? Right. Cause if new year's you're spending the time, like calculating your whole entire life, you know, I think November is just a great, um, you know, moment to just take a deep breath and just like, you know, mentally be like, Hey, you know, and you're also going into winter, right? What a perfect time to just like kind of mentally like, you know, check in, you know? Um, so at the very least, if you're not doing it daily, if you're not doing mood checks, if you're not doing all the things that we preach every single day and you're working your way into that journey, take November as a month to sit down with yourself mentally uh, and think about it. Um, I'll share a little thing about November 1st, but like, because I was, I was talking to you about this and I think it's just so, so I think we're going to make a big deal out of November because of this simple thing. <laughs> I go to Starbucks on the third, I think, and there's Christmas cups already. Like everything is Christmas. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, it's November 3rd. Like, <laughs> how are you just going to skip a whole month? Like we're going from happy Halloween to ho, 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 jingle bells, jingle bells. Like you literally just, and it just devalues all the things that that month is supposed to stand for, in my opinion, right? Like mm. if you show up and mentally you've gone from Christmas, you've gone from Halloween to Christmas like that. What about Remembrance Day? What about men's mental health? What about like, my boy Darnell's birthday. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) are we just going to skip these things? You know? And I just, it really hit me hard and it made me, you know, it made me even more prideful of like, yo, hold up one second. Like we have something to talk about, Mm. you know, like we picked this month. This month is a month that's been chosen and people are trying Mm -hmm. to highlight different things that are going on in the world. Hold up Starbucks. Let's take take a a deep breath here. Can we wait till the 15th to get like Santa Claus in this joint? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that really hit me hard because it was just like every month kind of has this thing it stands for, right? And I think as a modern masculinity podcast, this is like this is a month that we want to stand for. You know, November is 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 an important month. Um, now, to answer your question more directly, I remember on this podcast I said um, when we were talking about 2022 or 2020, what we learned and what our mental health was. I said then that I thought 2020 was kind of the injury. I called it the injury. I said that mm-hmm. I mean, this is the year that, you know, you have to deal with the idea that, you know, this is your Kobe Bryant Achilles tear injury moment. Like you're like, mm. I just tore my Achilles. Like everyone kind of had their punch. You know, it was like, oh, what the heck was that? You know, and I said that 2022, 2021 would be the rehab year, right? Where you're not fully back to 100%, but you're like trending in the right direction. You're making moves like, and the world has felt like that. It feels like it's kind of open and it's kind of closed, right? So, you know, to go back to that metaphor I made back then, I think I'm I'm exactly where I thought I would be. Like, I think that I've taken 
I've taken the injury and I've done rehab and I'm feeling optimistic about the progress of this rehab. Now, do I think I'm on the other side of the, you know, where I predicted, I think 2022 will be when, you know, all of Mm -hmm. the, you reap all the benefits of all of that sitting down with yourself and, and talking to yourself and listening to yourself and all of that. I think that's still to come, but well, along, well on the way, uh, mentally, um, things that I was struggling with, you know, to kind of shift gears, I guess, and I guess, take on the challenges. I'll say the challenges that I had mainly, and then we can go to your challenges and then maybe we can mm. uh, get into what we've done about those challenges. But some of the challenges that I had, you know, in the last couple of years, and ever since I came back from traveling, really came back to Canada was, um, self-confidence was low, right? Like I was navigating a lot of new spaces and just, there was nowhere to get confidence. And then the pandemic made it worse, right? Cause now you're not seeing your barber anymore. You're not, you're not <laughs> hanging out with your friends. You're not, you're not able to go play basketball. You're not able to, you're not able to do nothing. Like you're not able to really do anything that gives you confidence or mm-hmm. maybe relied on to get confidence when you felt a little bit like, oh, I don't got it right now. You know, mm-hmm. leverage, leverage this to be better here. Or, you know what I mean? It was all gone, you know? And so already going into that pandemic, you know, trying to find that confidence, that swagger, I thought the pandemic really was just like, it kicked me when I was already down. Like, you know, I was already like, oh, um, so self-confidence was definitely something that I was struggling with mentally, um, during that time, uh, self-talk was ugly. It was horrible for, I would say 2019, 2020 self-talk was brutal, right? Cause it was just a lot of this coming back to Canada and realizing like all these people that you went to university with are like three, four years into their careers and you're at a restaurant. Um, you know, all the, like all these, like, and the self-talk was just like, buddy, you're nothing. Like, what have you done? Like, what are you doing? Like, you can't figure this out. Like a lot of it was just so negative and I couldn't really appreciate, you know, just, um, I couldn't appreciate what I had accomplished. Even I didn't even sit in those accomplishments long enough. I was already just on to the next thing and just like really judging where I was at in life and all of that. Um, and I think the last, the last real um, thing that I was struggling with was self-pressure. A lot of it. Mm. Like, um, so it's, it's, a, it's a hard place to be when, you know, you don't have the confidence, your self-talk isn't good and you're still holding yourself to some level of self-pressure. That's just like unattainable. You know what I mean? Um, and it was the combination of those three things that, were crippling me slowly. Like it was just like crunching me up, beating me up. And, uh, that was, that was my obstacle. Like those were my obstacles. Those are my mental challenges. Um, and there was days where, you know, that three headed prong was really kicking my ass and beating me in a, in a bad way, you know, and mm. I was down bad. And, um, and I'm also like, you know, I was working in new, like to go back to the confidence thing, new career, like there was literally nothing I was doing at the time that was like, you're good at this Anwar high five. Everything was just like, and it, and it's hard to take criticism and feedback when you're in that space When you're getting your ass kicked. And someone is just like trying to give you some constructive criticism. Your ear sonically only hears that as negativity. It doesn't even hear it as like, Hey, I'm trying to better you. It's just like, it feels like, so, it feels like a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. Right. Where now it's so crazy. Cause now the confidence has kicked up a little bit. Self-talk has been managed. Self-pressure has been, you know, um, expectations have been managed. And now that same, those same individuals who are giving me feedback, I'm hearing it like feedback. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, thanks for that. I appreciate that. You know, it's crazy because their tone hasn't changed. What they're saying hasn't changed. Just where I'm at and how I'm perceiving what they're saying to me has changed. Mm. And a switch goes off. It's like, oh, you know, 
And I think like often when you think about relationships too, it gets like that, right? That person who's trying to better you, you hear them as naggy, right? You hear them and you're like, oh, this person's just on my, they're on my case, on my ass, right? But you might be feeling some type of way about yourself. And that's why you're taking that that way, you know? Because mm. if, if you maybe felt a little bit better about yourself or you weren't maybe like going through so many like mental insecurities and stuff like that, you might just hear that for what it actually was. And it's just like feedback, like, hey, I've noticed this. I know you said you wanted to get to here and you wouldn't like see you would see the message more than the person, you know, you would actually oh, take it on board and be like, okay. Mm. You know? So, um, those have been kind of, you know, a summary of like in some of my struggles that I, you know, the last couple of years have been plaguing me. Um, and with those, I mean. with those struggles, one thing that I want to ask, uh, is you talk about the self talk, right? The, the self talk, the, the, the inner critic, I guess is, is what's, what's showing up. What are some of the things that were being said? What were some of the, uh, like maybe common phrases or like things that you were saying to yourself that were just, they just, you just knew they weren't helpful, but they were happening anyway. Like what, 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 if you don't mind sharing, do you remember any of those kind of statements or, or thoughts that were coming up? Yeah. They're not like, you know, they're not as, uh, they're not, they're not, they're not necessarily the ones that are, you know, really riddled with negativity, like you're a piece of shit or like, you know, it's not really that what it is. It's just mm. a lot of, I can't, you can't mm. do that. Like you, you, you would see the challenge and you're literally the, whatever the voices would be like, yeah, don't do that. You can't do that. That's not you. You wouldn't be able to accomplish that. Mm. A lot of, a lot, a lot of the, the self-talk was riddled with like, um, feeling inadequate, a lot of feeling inadequate, everything that I felt like I was going through. I felt like there was a voice that was being like, like imagine being at the gym. And a, if a personal trainer is the person who's going, come on, five more, three more, two more. It was the, the complete opposite of like someone being like, just lay down. You suck. Like, you're not going to do four more. You can't do four more. Mm. And the going against that person every day is very tiring, right? Like that metaphor there is like one that like, to me really speaks to the self-talk. It's like the difference between someone being like, come on, four more, buddy, five more. And like, you can't do that. Stop. Just stop now. Just stop now. You just might as well just stop at two. Like, might as well just stop at two. Like, there's no point. Just give up. Like, you're not strong enough to do that, you know? And that person not going away, right? And then, you know, what you have to end up doing is you have to ignore that person long enough until it feels ridiculous that they're even saying that you can't do it anymore. Like, they're like, you can't do four more. And then you blast out 10. They're like, okay, um, <laughs> you can't do that. And then they just ultimately leave the door. Like, they go, okay, I got to leave. This guy's he's getting strong. <laughs> I got to go. Like, he's, he's figuring it out. Like, he's not buying what I'm selling. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's how I've been my whole entire life is, you know, ignoring that voice and being like, move to the side, buddy. Like, I got this. But when everything else is happening all at once, too, that voice just gets louder and louder, stronger and stronger. We talk about that maintenance. When you stop the maintenance, that voice just gets stronger tougher mm -hmm. and then it starts it, it's, you start to believe it too and when you start to believe it it's a it's, it's a wrap it's a it's a wrap mentally mm. i appreciate you sharing your share reminds me literally of like a physical story like that where uh in 2019 i remember i was I was just feeling some type of way about myself and, and it was not a good type of way and I remember I would go to work out, but only because it felt like I had to, not because I wanted to. And I had a very tumultuous relationship at the time with the gym and with fitness, but I knew that I wanted to keep up my image, 
right? So I kept going, but I wasn't really working out hard or, you know, doing great workouts or pushing myself. I was just going to go. And it, to be honest with you, looking back, it was the worst decision. I probably should have just stayed at home because it made me feel worse going. Even if I was moving weights, it made me feel worse because I wasn't willing to push myself and X, Y, Z. Anyways, I remember a specific situation where I was doing bench press. And uh, again, my mental is not in a good state right now. And I'm trying to push through and I'm trying to do that, you know, four more type thing. And I remember doing my workout, pushing through. I can't remember how many did, but I just remember Edward was working out with me and he's like, one more. And I racked it. I didn't listen to him. I heard him. He said one more and I racked it. I just said, no, not out loud. I just, I didn't speak at all. I just, I just put it, I put it down. And reflecting on that is what I feel is that, that inner critic. But it was not even that I said to myself, I couldn't do it. It was that the voice of I couldn't do it or I can't do it and you're not doing it was so loud for so long that it wasn't even you can't do it. It's just we're not doing that. It turned into something bigger, like a, like a, almost like a deeper belief of not that you can't, it's that you're not going to, you just won't like, what's the point? What's the purpose? Well, I don't see any, that's what the inner critic is saying to me. It's the, the, what's the, what's the point of one more? It does nothing. It's not getting you anywhere. Like what, what are we doing here? Everything else is crap. So why are you doing one more? Mm-hmm. So it, it just want, it just reminded me of that story. The extension of is like how far that voice can go. And where I ended up being with that voice and, you know, I was handling the self-confidence thing at the same time. I felt like I wasn't doing enough and I wasn't going anywhere and I wasn't putting the time and attention to the right things. And my relationship was felt like it was my only safe space, but I really wasn't investing my time into that as well. And so then all of these things, like you said, it's, it's the, the, the culmination of it all that comes together and says, you can't, and so many, you can'ts for me turned into, you won't. Mm-hmm. And your self-talk is like, your self-talk is very good at um, inventory, right? Oh, it's it great. Always, it, it always checks the last couple of stat lines <laughs> that you have and just feeds it to you. So like, we all know life is about ebbs and flows, right? And so self-talk finds your, finds your downs and it tries to punish you. It tries to punish you there. Because if there is a feeling of belief, like it's like, you, you racked it at five last time. Mm. <laughs> so rack it at five again this rack is what you're five. good at you can't do six you always do five just do five you know and and there's when there's belief in that it's a it's a it, that's where it can get a little ugly is the self-talk knows how to bring you down it doesn't bring you down with like like not logic like it brings you down with like information that you do know to be true it it, it picks on your bad days you know it mm-hmm. picks on the days that it knows you were not at your best but we all have bad days. So it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm a cool self-talk. I'm glad that you brought up, you know, November 29th, but doesn't matter. Cause that was a day and right. we're moving forward here, buddy. Um, today is a new day, you mm-hmm. know? So it's, yeah, it, it, it always kind of knows it kind of knows and, and it knows your insecurities too. It knows how to, it knows how to really manipulate the mm-hmm. mindset. Oh yeah. And you fall into that trap and it keeps, uh, uh, it keeps a, like you said, the inventory, like you can go as far back as you want uh, and it will, it will go back and it will find things you didn't even really know you felt bad about, or you didn't feel confident about, or you felt guilty about. It will find all of that to fuel, right? It's, it's, it's a, once it's a belief, 
then we begin to start to look everywhere to reaffirm that belief. So whether it's in the past or in the present or in the future, we'll look in the future too. It's we'll reaffirm that belief because the belief is so rooted. And so uh, it's such a tough and tumultuous space. Um, but to answer your question, you asked me back uh, kind of what my challenges were over the last you know year, year and a half or so. And you know, I've shared a lot of my deeper struggles from the past and what that looks like. And I was just reflecting about what does the year, past year and a half look like? Like you said, November is kind of like that new year reflection time, right? Because it's men's health month. So if I'm reflecting on health, for example, I feel like the position where I'm in now um, is, well, let's not go there yet. Let's go, let's go into the past. Let's make sure I, I share my, my challenges and struggles. When I went through the breakup that I was, I've referred to many times on this podcast, I remember before that was actually probably just as bad, if not worse than post. If, I, if I'm really being honest, because I remember being, you know, super broken and feeling terrible about the experience of the breakup and what that all looked like and, you know, being alone and really feeling truly alone in that city. And at that time, I don't even think you and I had, we had just met, I think um, we were barely even acquaintances or friends. So um, it was very much a space where I felt very alone. But right before that, uh, I remember the feelings and I felt as if I had ostracized myself so much to the point where I already was alone. So when the physical reality of being alone came true, that felt normal. So it felt painful, but it felt normal because I had already felt like I'd done that. And the ostracization process that I did to myself was, like I said, I wasn't doing anything at the gym to help myself. I was lost in the idea that I'm not doing anything well professionally. Like my career is not going anywhere. I'm not getting clients. My, I hate working at this bartending job. Like I've reduced my availability to, you know, build this business. And then on the other side, I'm not doing anything about it. And, you know, all of these weird, like mental challenges that I was trying to face. And at the same time, I'm trying to survive in a new city. You know, the, the, the time in Toronto, for the most part, it felt like survival. There wasn't, a ton of thriving uh, based on my own financial distress that I put myself in. So then I'm, you know, now stressed about my finances and what that looks like. I have, you know, don't feel like I ever have any money and it's all going to bills and rent. And if I did have a little bit, then I felt like rebellion kick in and I'm like, you know, I'm going to go out for dinner. I shouldn't have, but the rebellion kicked in. I'm like, I give all my money to this. Like F you, I'm going to go do this. And so then I feel guilty for that too. So then my inner critic is saying, what are you doing? Like, you're just reaffirming this belief you have that you're a piece of shit, that you can't figure it out, that you won't figure it out. And that's what my inner critic is saying is, uh, you're not capable of doing this. So I don't know why you think you're doing this. Just go find a different job and you know figure this out. Or it's saying, you're definitely not a good partner. So try harder to do so. But when you do so, you're trying harder is actually making things worse and you don't realize it. So you're, you're abandoning self again. You're, you're, you're harming self again by this process of overcompensating for this belief that you don't think you're good enough. And then you are going to the gym and you're thinking that your image, like we talk about all this bodybuilding thing, right? Your image will make everything better. So as long as you look good, we're good. So maintain that. Even if we don't like it, if we hate it to maintain that. And I was 
to an extent, but it was being malnutritioned on the other side. So I would have this vision of this, you know, keeping this body and looking a specific way and, you know, being attractive to my partner and just trying to find this, this balance, which I wasn't actually finding. It just was swinging a pendulum. Uh, I was addicted to the gym. So that's why I kept going. And that was telling me in my inner critic, it was saying things like your body looks like crap and your self-image is not good enough. Keep making it better. Like it's, you're not worthy enough if you don't have abs and you're not worthy enough if, if you have this tall, broad structure and these you know, big lats. And, you know, when you go to the work and you put your work shirt on, if your biceps aren't, you know, this size, then, well, you no one's going to notice you. You're not going to be noticeable. So make sure you have those still. And then I didn't feel like I did, right? Even though I was working out, I was like, you don't have them still. So you still feel like shit. So it's this constant like cycle. So this, this mental hamster wheel, this mental rat race that I was going through. And all of that walked me into 2020 where I was physically before you, uh Before you it, get into 2020, would you say that you, you were struggling with self-image? Like- yeah, self-image, um, self-confidence and self-worth. I think were the biggest things. Uh, I, I did not feel in any of the capacities that I was in that I was worthy. And that all what is a bit fueled by how I felt society would look at me or was looking at me and how the, the, what I believed other people were believing about me is where I was so stuck in. It's like, what, what, what does Anwar think about me? And even if I, I know you really well, I'm concerned that you think that, you know, I'm not doing well enough or Edward thinks I'm not doing well enough. My partner thinks I'm not doing well enough. So then I, instead of using that as motivation, I, my inner critic used that as fuel to slowly deteriorate me, to keep me small, to keep me in the, the game of unworthiness, because it was a belief that wasn't just in that, that position. Like this is a long lasting standing belief. This is from way back. and it's been a big part of my life. So I just never knew it. I never knew that it was my self-worth, my, my inability to see the worth in myself that I was struggling with. So then it just, it came out in moments like that, where I was like, you're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Do have you identified where that self-image struggle comes came from? Like, it sounds like there's like masculinity stuff there, but like, where did that, do you know where that originated from? Like where, where your, where your self-image? Yeah. A lot of masculinity kinda- stuff. A lot of masculinity stuff because I grew up in with this vision of men, and it's not a good one. Uh, I felt a lot of times like uh, men were working themselves tirelessly to their bitter end, and it was causing in, intense relational issues. And everything was all about money, and so I got a poor image of that. So I decided that I would go the other way, and I wouldn't get so lost in that. But what that created was an imbalance. So I, I wasn't. I had two factors coming in. I had this, this break the cycle mindset, right? Which only goes so far because breaking the cycle is not changing. It's just saying, I won't do that. And uh, um, it's not saying I will do this. So it's, I won't do that, but there's no like creation on this side. There's no like, I'm going to do this instead. It just says, I won't do that. And so I was trying to break this masculine cycle. I saw where uh, all the men in my life never seemed happy. They all seemed like life was not good. Um, They never looked like they were taking care of themselves physically. Um, they were emotionally reactive and their relationships were tumultuous. 
and constantly ending, starting and ending, starting and ending. And so what I created as a belief was that all of that was due to um, their inability to find balance in their life, to not work so hard, to not give themselves away to these spaces, not to be always gone, not to, and, and this was still represented um, uh, with my grandfather. My grandfather works or worked all the time. He still, he still is working and that's beautiful. Um, but he gave his life away to that for a really long time. And that caused a lot of problems with the, uh, the family dynamic, nothing against his experience. But again, this idea of what work meant was a hard thing. So for me, I never created an idea of what work meant. So I got lost in this cycle of, of trying to say, I'm going to break the cycle, but not creating anything on the other side. So then what ended up happening was I reached other realms. So then I started to take care of my physical health and create this body image. So that way it wasn't what they were doing and what they look like. That must mean that I'll be happier. I'll enjoy life more if I do that. And I won't work so tumultuously. I'll, I'll probably work a lot less because I fear that if I work too hard and I'm always working, then that will create a tumultuous relationship with any partner that I was with. Like it would damage the relationship. And so I would make sure that I wouldn't go too far there or work too hard, whatever. I didn't even have a definition of what that meant though. I just said, if I work too hard, then it'll cause, cause problems. So don't work too hard. But the hilarity of it all is that then society tells me to work harder. So then I feel guilty for not working harder. And this whole time, I have no idea what mindset is. I don't know what perspective is. I don't know any of these words. So I'm in this, this grind, this, this, this mental grind of what this all means to me. So it created a lot of self-worth, a lot of self-challenges. And I also never wanted to be a burden to my family. I always fought to not be a burden. So um, making sure that I was, uh, let's say, the best in school or um, the, the most attractive or the, the least of the problems, I would, I would try to be as well because it seemed like problems were problems. Like I already felt bad for being a part of this world and at that time. So it was make sure you're not a burden. So, so many conflicting like questions and so many conflicting narratives that uh, create a lot of problems. There's so much inner conflict. And when are we ever taught to deal with inner conflict? I, there's no classes, there's no teachings, there's not a lot of provision that's given to saying, here's how you handle that inner critic. So I'm just trying to do it myself, trying to figure it out. Um, so I think that, that that's kind of where a lot of that stemmed from for the most part. So then into 2020 was when I was like, whoa, this was the, the many times later where I started to ask myself again, like, what does it mean to be a man and what is masculinity and what is my mental health? Because right before that, a month or two before that, I was driving from work to and from work. And every time I would be driving, the thought would come in, in my head of, I'm driving at hundred kilometers an hour right now. And there's a turn coming up. What if I just didn't stop? What would, what would happen? Would I die? Would I get seriously injured? But more question, well, would I die? And, and am I willing to not press the brake? And that's the, that's, that's the shift. That's where I was at. That's where I re- recognize that although the tumultuousness of 2020 was a grind for me, right before that was when it was at its worst. Because that's when I was asking myself those questions. And it was at the forefront of my mind. But as I started to navigate what it meant to be me and a man in 2020, uh, those thoughts stopped coming in. 
And so it's interesting for me to reflect now with you, because I don't think I realized this quite yet until this moment where that, that was actually the worst part was when I did feel like I was in things like friendships and relationships and jobs, and I was killing them all. That's when I felt at my worst being alone. Wasn't my worst being in it all and feeling like I'm failing at all of it was when I was at my worst. So I would say those are some of the biggest challenges amongst 2020 when I walked in and said, okay, what does it mean to be a man? And then kind of going through uh, the insecurities, the insecurity journey of, okay, you don't like that. Let's learn to love that. You don't like that. Let's learn to love that. And just being able, just facing all of those things that I wasn't facing. Mm-hmm. Cause that was pretty much the, the, why the culmination of the breakup and the friendships being lost and the, the complete burning down of my old house, uh, not physically, metaphorically. Um, when it all that all happened. And so it was like, whoa, like you have a lot of, you have a lot of stuff you're not facing Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff you're not facing. I think the, the, the interesting thing to kind of, and what I'm recognizing, kind of unpacking your story and is, uh, just how we associate a problem with a, another problem sometimes, you know, Mm. and, and then now that what you thought was a solution is a crutch. And you're going mm. deep into the deep end with this crutch now, you know, it's, you're struggling with self body image. So, you know, then you decide to overdo it in the gym. You try to work out, you try to work your way through that self body image thing, but it's actually not serving you. It's still hurting you because your reasons mm-hmm. for being there are not valid. Your whys are not strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you still feel very, very empty in its own way. Um, even though you're trying to overcome a certain thing, you know, you're trying to overcome some of the other uh, feelings of not feeling worthy, right? See how easy you can take something like, I don't feel worthy. How can I feel worthy? Get a better body. And then you go down to the body wrap hole and then you're like, oh, self-image issues now. Like, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. uh, you're and always it's not kinda, enough and I got to work harder and like, oh, I can yeah. always look better. And the, the rat race, it's all for, it's really at the end of the day, like a lot of that is, it's just for other people. It's not actually for you. It's, mm-hmm. it's for, it's for the, what you believe is the appeasement of others view of you. And, and that, that's, that's just it, right? Like a lot of the times when you, you follow those thoughts deeper, you know, you follow those um, opinions and that self-talk, you listen to it a little bit deeper. You realize that it's ridiculed in other people's opinions that don't really matter. Like mm-hmm. it's not really an opinion of your own, you know? And, and um, a lot of times for me too, it wasn't even actually an opinion. Like people weren't actually saying these things about me. Yeah, you know, like my stuff. friends, yeah, my family, my my partner, like um, I created this idea that they like this specific thing about me, but it really wasn't necessarily them. It was what I felt uh, just just a partner would want, not actually what they said. So the opinion was self created or was was manipulated or contorted based on what I feel a lot of society's messages have given me, and so then I believe that's what they believed. Without actually having a conversation, I believe that's what they believed. So therefore, I believed it. And that's such a, a dangerous game. To, I, I still play it sometimes, but it's such a dangerous game to play. And especially when I wasn't aware of it. in the dark. They're right. like, where, are you, where is this coming from? And you're like, and you're so in belief of that. It's like, it's a thing. It's mm-hmm. real. And, and you're so stressed like, about it. You're so stressed about it. And they're like, why are you stressed? And I'm like, I don't know. I have that. I really don't know. Because you don't, we got a lot of time. For me, it wasn't even, it wasn't even conscious. I had no idea I was doing it. I had no idea I was doing it. And, you know, it's not to say that I validate my own poor behavior, but it was just these things that I didn't know that I was doing in that moment because I was so uh, lost. And I was also wasn't okay with being lost. It was like, 
kind of like the stress, right? The, or the stress of busyness. It's like, are you at peace with the busyness or is it something you kind of constantly evade? And I was lost. And therefore I was trying to evade the lostness. And therefore I got myself more lost. <laughs> My friends, let's talk about mental health and the sponsor of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Tether, a peer-enabled mental health and well-being platform for men. Tether helps men find meaning and purpose through community, accountability pods, and a 24-7 support network. Tether invites us all to be a part of changing the face of masculinity and letting every man know that struggling and vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man. It simply makes you human. And for me, I've had a lot of personal experience with this app. I've used it many times. I've shared a lot of vulnerable moments. I've shared some strength moments, some exciting moments. The app is open for everyone to simply just share. And like it said in the introduction, a peer-enabled space where we're supporting each other without any pressure to fix, just simply to honor each other's journey. They also just added in a conscious content section where they're sharing podcasts, they're sharing blog posts. It is a really powerful space. So we really want to implore you and encourage you to download it from the app and Google store. It is Tether, T-E-T-H-R, available on both app stores. Join the community. I promise you will not regret it. So what about, um, talk to us a little bit about you talk about that burning house metaphorically, right? Mm. How did you go about getting your belongings back? How did mm. you go about building a new home? You know, now that your home is, you know, the metaphor home is burnt down. What kind of steps did you take and where are you at in that journey? Um, where are you at on that journey of, you know, understanding, accepting and, you know, moving past what was and, you know, leaning into, you know, what you want to create for yourself? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is, I would say I'm very thankful that I jumped into personal development when I did and how I did, because I think if I didn't, the idea of burning down a house and rebuilding a new one, again, metaphorically, uh, I would never have done. And I think even if I had the ability to handle the burning, the, the ashes, and knowing like, oh, I can just, you know, move over here or move over there. And again, metaphorically and build myself a new one. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I wouldn't have been able to take it on. And I share that because where I'm at right now with many old houses that I have lived in metaphorically are burning down many of them. Finding my possessions again and building a new house i think the biggest difference is uh, i'm building my house for me and not necessarily for everybody else to live in unless if they so choose and what i mean by that is an old the old houses that i had that are burning down around me the old community let's say that i lived in um, that community is, is is almost fully torched and what that is, is it's all of the versions of me that weren't actually me. They were contortions and they were manipulations and they were versions of me that existed to appease other people and to make sure that they were always happy and versions of me that were self-sacrificing and self-abandoning. And 
never truly actually who I wanted to be and who I actually am. And so the burning down of that house is a lot of just burning down old identities. It's burning down old pieces of myself and the new community that I'm building, or let's just call it a house because community can make it confusing. The new house that I'm building is one where all of the pieces of me that I am finally rediscovering and allowing to be and be present and be in my life are all in that house. And if any of the people that were in my life that knew those old houses, that knew that old community, they want to come and check out my new house. They want to hang out. They want to, they want to live in that space with me. Then they absolutely can. And if they don't want to, that's okay too. If they wish to live in a burning house, a burning down house, that's okay too. Um, but it's the, the journey has been a, a journey filled with a phrase I learned recently, uh, death portals, like this death portal, this, this portal that's here. Let's say it's in front of me. It's a, a metaphysical metaphorical portal. And it's basically one that will kill you, but will also rebirth you on the other side. It's a death portal and who you are, who am I in this moment? Um, I have to be willing to sacrifice the, the old beliefs or the patterns or whatever thing that I'm believing in right now, whatever, whatever way I'm acting right now, I have to be willing to off this version in order to get to whatever is on the other side of that portal. And a lot of times it's, it's death of things that are not actually me, but it's things I've believed myself to be. And so I have to be willing to shed this identity, but also all the life that comes with this identity, all of the, the people that were part of that identity, all of the, um, the safety that came with that identity. I have to be willing to, to kill all of that. Technically, I have to be willing to bring that to a close to a death by walking through this portal and knowing on the other side that that will be a more clear and authentic version of myself. And so gathering possessions hasn't really been my focus yet. It's about uh, just building the house, building the structure and building the foundation and, and knowing that I can do that for me and that I'm still going to have people who wish to be a part of that life, who wish to be in that person's life that is true and authentic and more him than the other one. But I have to be willing to walk that journey. And so that's kind of where um, I would say that uh, where I am is that there's still houses burning. There's still flames in the distance. But the house that I'm building now is one where I feel aligned, truthful, and the, the, the houses burning don't feel stressful. They feel necessary. So let me, uh, let me, let me play devil's advocate a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, because one can also hear the idea, and this is something that I see very often in people where houses might be burning around them and let's actually give this context. So relationships that you're, you know, you're in friendships, things are changing, you know, mm. people are not they're they're also not interested in what you're showing up as they want mm -hmm. to distance themselves from that right there's a lot of people that i see out there that will just continue to do that they will just continue to just distant that person cool distant the next person cool mm. distant the next person cool and just it's just dismiss 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 it's never there's never a learning process here there's always just a you know uh, I'm going to do things for me. I'm going to do things for me. Whoever's about that is about that. Whoever isn't, isn't. And that also is a cycle that can get you in trouble 
because at some point, you know, <clears throat> Russell Westbrook, it's got to be you. <laughs> like at some point, you're not playing winning basketball, Russell Westbrook. Like you've been on a lot of teams. You've had a lot of teammates. You keep switching around. It's not the it's not the freaking team, man. It's you. You take bad shots. Mm. You do a lot of things good. And then you do a lot of things that are poor. And until you mentally decide, like I'm going to, until Russell Westbrook decides, hey, maybe I'll play off the ball. Maybe I'll let someone else bring up the ball. Maybe. And, he's, and he starts playing a different brand of basketball. I don't see him winning. You know, and I see a lot of people living a Russell Westbrook life where they just keep taking that hard headed demeanor and moving it around and being like, I'm just going to keep doing things for me. I'm just going to keep doing things for me and make the environment around me change when everyone's like, I love that guy, but I love that guy, but I love that guy, but mm. right. I think addressing the butt is the issue. Now you have a unique experience in your life, right? You, you talk about this death portal. You kind of lost somebody on this side of the portal. Then you went through. And now you're back together with that same person, right? Mm. So whoever died and whoever has been reborn have somehow attracted this same individual. Now, what is the death? And what is the difference between why this is working now and why it wasn't? And what did you learn about yourself during that time? Because when I picture, you know, the rebuild of that, mm -hmm. it's a maturing process, right? It's less of a... There's something there to be said that there was a maturing process that happened that the person who was like, no, I was done with you. But now I'm interested in whatever this new brand is, this new mm. Kyle, this new style of play. Um, sounds like personal development was a big one. You highlighted that, right? Having the tools to be like, okay, cool. That's how I was showing up. And now I see what I was doing. And I, I've, I've changed these things about me. Mm. Um, what have been, what have, other than, you know, putting yourself first, which I think is, you know, what we've talked about here is not, don't mm -hmm. give yourself away. What are some other things that, you know, have contributed to, um, the rebirth of who you are and how you're feeling about now, you know, mm. like, was there some things you look back on? You're like, this is what I was doing and it wasn't serving damn nothing. Um, mm -hmm. and this is what ended. This is what started the, the fire in the first place. Uh, mm. and, and you know, this is part of the rebirth, like the, you know, you can rebuild the house, but what are you rebuilding this house with? What lessons? Right. hundred percent. So the, uh, this is definitely like a, a larger podcast for sure, but to answer it in, uh, let's say just, basic terms, there was a few things that came to light through that process. And you mentioned a few, and in those, those few that you mentioned, uh, a big theme in there is uh, self-sacrifice and self-abandonment. So it's not just like not putting self first and not taking care of self. It's also the sacrificing of self. Like I will go out of my way to not serve myself, to serve you. And what that ends up doing is it, it does unfortunately end up building resentment, even though I'm not, I wasn't aware of it. I would build resentment. So then I would feel some type of way about the other person and I wouldn't want to feel that type of way about the other person. So the self-sacrifice, self-abandonment thing was a big component. And what that did was for quite some time, if I look back, not just in that specific relationship or that version of that relationship, but as far back as really I can remember is I was really good at playing the victim. I had figured out a way to play the victim in many different scenarios and in many different ways. And I, I learned it so good that I, I figured out how to do it um, with work, with family, with friends, with anything. 
anything that you will give me at that time, I could always find a way to play the victim. Now I was able to accomplish things still in that time. I wasn't so far lost in victimhood that I wasn't doing things with my, with my life, but I could blame the lack of further development on something. It, it, it was basically a big journey of just not taking ownership for shit. And what that did was in that specific, let's say, uh, version of the relationship, what that did was it basically said, I'll play the victim. Okay. I'll start playing the victim. And if the victimhood doesn't work, and I'm not doing this consciously, by the way, this has been a deep rooted belief that I'm not worthy. Therefore, I'm the victim. Um, so I'll drop into victimhood. And if I don't feel like victimhood's working, um, then I will take too much ownership. Almost in another play to be the victim again. I'll own all of it. I'll own everything. I'm doing all of the things bad. I'm not doing anything right. I can't figure this out. I can't figure that out. So I'll own it all, which is great to an extent, because really it's not necessarily always you. There's always many more parts to play, but I'll do that so much to the point that I'll self-sabotage, I'll self-guilt. And then there we are, victimhood again. So I was really good at that game. And I would say that that is one of the biggest shifts that I've made is that when I got out of that and I, you know, I started to blame myself for the end of the ending of, of that version, the, the, um, the burning down of that specific house at that time. I, I, I would take, I took on the ownership and I guilted and I self-blamed and I shamed and I said, look, there you go again. And I dropped myself into deep victimhood for a bit. And that, you know, obviously destroyed me and made this, the, the space so much more agonizing than it needed to be. And then coming out of that, I said, okay, hold on a second. What if it's not just you? Because I had this, this fear that it, there could be two people at play. I always felt like I, I was the one who had to figure it out. Again, my self-worth. So then I said, okay, hold on though. What if it isn't just you? Let's just, what if this for a second? What if it isn't just you? It doesn't necessarily mean it is the truth. What if it's not just you? What if there's many more things at play that you have absolutely no idea what's going on? So then I started to play that game. And I said, okay, well, I started to play that scenario out. I'm like, okay, well, start to start to pay attention to what's what's been happening on both sides of the equation how how have you been acting and how have they been acting and recognizing that i can only ever be responsible for my own behavior i can never take responsibility for somebody else's so if i'm taking responsibility for my behavior then that must mean that she also has to do the same thing so what does she have to take responsibility for and asking myself that question and I say all of this, this idea of ownership and radical responsibility, because when we did reunite and the Phoenix was born again, in that moment, it was a conversation of literally just expressing what we were taking ownership for and what we were taking radical responsibility for on both sides. It was as if you had, you and I had had this big argument and we both were like, you know what, this is some of the things that I said that it was inappropriate. And these were some of the things that I was doing that um, I've learned from, and I have recognized that we're not helping and that I've tried to navigate through myself. And, uh, oh, this was because of this. I learned, I learned that I was, cause I was abandoning myself and oh, I, I learned this because I was a victim. And then on the other side, that person doing the exact same thing, doing the exact same thing, owning all of the pieces, knowing where they weren't necessarily doing things right, or um, it wasn't in agreement with themselves or knowing when they were abandoning or knowing why they did what they did. And that journey um, 
has been like one of the biggest aspects of this all is the ownership and the radical responsibility. And I think that's what I owe a lot of it to is owning and not guilting. It's kind of like what we talked about honoring, right? Honoring that that's what I did. Honoring that that's how I acted, but then being like, okay, but why did I act that way? What was causing it? What's there? And trying to discover the pieces of the puzzle because I don't just act out of accordance with nothing. There's always a reason. So trying to figure out what that looked like. And also just recognizing like how I contributed to the, the breakup. I was the one who was broken up with. And I think we're, a lot of times we're, we're quick to be like, well, they left me. It's like, no, but what, how did I contribute to that? What did I contribute to that? And then unbeknownst to me, the other person on the other side doing the same thing. How did I contribute to this? What did I contribute to this? How did I get to this point? What happened there? And, and knowing that if this is going to come together, that that has to be addressed, has to be owned. So radical responsibility, ownership, um, removing the victimhood, and then the masculinity journey, stepping into the masculine energy and, and learning about it and knowing what it is and trying to figure out how to embody that, how to integrate that, what that means. And there's many caveats to that, but um, are many aspects of that that I learned. Um, but I think the at the end of the day, it all comes full service to being um, standing in, in who I am standing in my authenticity, standing in my truth. And I still struggle with that just to make that clear. You know, I step into this space where I want to be a relationship coach. I am a relationship coach. I support people with relationships. And when I, in that space, it's the idea that I'm perfect at this, that I've perfected this health journey, this mental health journey, this relationship journey. And I have not, but what I do actively is I, I, I learn and I work on it and I try to figure it out every single moment. And I become aware every moment and I do things out of old patterns all the time. I abandon myself all the time, but what I don't do anymore is I guilt myself for it. Just recognize that I did it, recognize that it's an old pattern and be like, okay, cool. You did that because of this. You did that because this is what you always do. Okay. Now what are you going to do next time? Or how can you address this in this moment to ensure that you know it's happening, that the other person knows it's happening and then grow from there. Yeah, I think that there's a lot more more direct lines to connect dots there. You know, a lot more. I think when you when you drop such a heavy nugget like, you know, do I just do I just what if I don't stop this car? You know what I mean? And right. you know, when you're when you're at a point like that in your life, I think it's very important to understand what game are you playing, what skills are you using, you know, because it's clear now that we've gone really 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 down a dangerous road with that strategy that you had in place before you know and so unpacking that and i think that you know some of your answers there on the back half they they serve that 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 phoenix rising a bit better like understanding i was doing this and i was doing that and i had the victim mentality and i had this and i was doing this and that's why these people xyz left my life and that's why i got to a point where i was driving and it was you know i think it's it's that beautiful word ownership of all of that that allows you to understand how to move forward and put something in place that makes sense that is more serving you know um it's not just as simple as you know i'm just going to rebuild the house over here right like it's you need to you need to really do um some digging you know Mm -hmm. um i wish it was a matter of just getting on a plane and being (laughs) like i'm depressed in this city i'm just going to move to this city like it's Mm -hmm. not 
it doesn't really go like that. And I know that I had my, I've had my own journey with figuring out what those things were for me, what those markers were, how I went around them and all of that thing. So I just wanted you to unpackage that a little bit more um, because I do think that that's really where the, where the sauce is um, where, where the, where the insight is. It's so easy to talk about journaling and mm. meditation and all these, like, you know, the, all the, the maintenance things. But the reality is, is that the strategizing comes from understanding the victimhood mentality. That's what's really holding you back. Or mm. like, you know, some other that these other things are mm. what's really holding you back. These things are just going to make sure that you don't go back to those thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. the maintenance makes sure that you don't fall back into the traps that you just dug yourself out of. Um, right. But they're not the answer. That's not the answer. Understanding what is wrong with your jump shot is the damn answer. Making sure you keep <laughs> shooting the ball is right. how you maintain the jump shot. Um, and so shifting gears, um, you know, to, uh, the more physical aspects of the, uh, the conversation. So, you know, that was a little bit about, you know, the mental, um, I'll kind of, I'll kind of take it from the top here with, um, you know, my challenges physically, um, it's obviously been a pandemic. There's been a lot of people around, you know, physical health and, you know, making sure that you're healthy. There's a lot of talk about immune systems and making sure that, you know, your immune system can handle what potentially might come and the vaccine and, you know, all everyone, you know, there's a big health health kick right now. And, you know, Alhamdulillah for me, you know, I'm a pretty healthy dude for the most part in terms of like sicknesses and illnesses and things like that. So, um, I feel I've, I've always felt really, really good in those spaces. I also do, I am pretty meticulous about, you know, what I'm putting in my body, what I'm eating. And, um, I do try to make sure that, um, I don't just like, take it for granted. Uh, I, I, I try to complement some of that blessing with some, you know, actual intention. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my physical, you know, stress has kind of come from, um, more just chronic injuries, uh, that I've had for a long time. I've done nothing about, um, mm-hmm. but I don't want to, I don't want to spend time here talking about, you know, my knee injury or, uh, you know, my back and, you know, whatever all these little things is, is, you know, I wanted to kind of really focus on, um, dedicating this section of the, this whole episode to, uh, a friend of mine, Art Phillip. Um, so art, uh, a little bit about art. So like Art Phillip is a gentleman that we used to, I used to work at a WeWork and, um, he sat across from us in the WeWork. He had, the, he had their, they had their own company there. And he was really just a fan of ours. Like, you know, he was a fan of, you know, what we were doing. And, um, you know, he, he'd see the youngness in us and like the hunger. And he was like an older man, I think late 50s, 60s. Um, and he had survived uh, testicular cancer twice. A um, couple of times he's fought like, you know, testicular wow. cancer. Um, and it was just, before I even knew this information about him, I could very easily tell this guy had an aura and a presence of him that just like represented optimism and like gratitude. Like he was oozing, like you would meet him and you could have been feeling some type of way right before he entered the room. And then it'd be gone. The second he was in the room, he just carried that. And I always thought that that was really cool. And this is before I knew that he, you know, you know he had fought cancer a couple of times and survived, right? Then you find out information like that and you're like, this guy just is like riddled with gratitude, right? Like he just understands the moment, you know, he no understands, kidding. he understands where he's at. He's, he's older. He's, you know, he's been through it, you know, with this, you know, his physical health and all those kind of things. And, um, it was, a, it was, it was, he was somebody, I just loved the way he went about life. You know, he just had. He just had a, like a, he made you not want to give up because it was just like, 
you just got to keep going, you know? It was mm. just one of those. And I remember during that time when I was kind of, you know, trying to navigate my mental struggles and stuff like that. Every time I saw him, I'd feel like a million times better, like a million times better. One, you just look at him and you, his story comes to mind right away. So you just like get into a little, a bit more of a, okay, you can get through this. Yeah. Uh, but then the way he would talk to you, right? Uh, he would talk to you and he would give you advice. And it was the first time I felt like I had that grandfather I never had, you know, that, that dude who was way older than me, who could, you know, really give me like advice. And I, I would start leveraging it. I started asking him like really like some deeper questions about like the fifties, like what is, what's coming for me? When did your metabolism slow down? When did you notice, you know, I would start asking him some of these questions that were just like, you know, a little bit more um, grounded and just trying to like predict the future as best as I could. And he would give me advice and um, always, 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 he would always say to me, he's like, um, Anwar, like, you know, make sure you, you know, what's going on with your physical health, make sure you know what's going on with your physical health. And at this time, he's speaking to a guy that doesn't even have a valid health card. Like when I first came back to Toronto, I didn't even like update any of my stuff. Right. I was, I was, I was going rogue, like for years. And I'd have this guy in my ear being like, I remember one time he brought up a conversation. He was just like, just randomly in conversation. He was like, you know, Kegels are important, right? For men too. And I was like, you know what Kegels are? Yeah. He's like, you know, Kegels are important, right? I was like, what? He's like, for men too, especially for prostate health. So like, like, like the same, that's like the same. And this is a dude who like, he has to do those exercises, right? He has testicular cancer, prostate. So that whole time, like Kegels are typically advertised as a, as a woman's activity. Apparently it's equally as important for men, um, to do, to, to prevent prostate, to prevent, um, you know, all the, all, all the things with the boys downstairs. So like, he would just drop these nuggets of just like, Hey, listen, don't be so, don't get so lost in the sauce. Like you should do this and you should do this. And so it's just fitting because I, I remember talking to him, um, about an episode exactly like this and saying, I would love for you to come on and, um, Mm. talk to us about your journey about you know prostate cancer and you know like like the 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 challenges that we face as men of just feeling too good to go to the doctor like feeling Mm -hmm. like we're too strong to go to the doctor because here you are a coo of a company like everyone like you're you're leading the charge of everyone and still at the front forefront of all of that you're like you're putting your health first and you know that that's an important thing and i thought you know what a what a story, what a human being to be able to have on this platform, um, to, to share that journey and that story. And that it's, you know, and we can take such, you know, good nuggets from it. And unfortunately, a couple of months ago, I received a call that he passed away. Um, and that he died. I remember it hitting me like, like I had just kind of saw it, like, it was just, it felt like, I was working and I just saw him like a couple of weeks ago, you know, like it was such a weird conversation because he was in my mind, like as much as he was going through, he was the healthiest version of a human being I had ever seen in my life. Like mentally, physically, like when you think of like what humans are trying to achieve, like that happiness, that joy, that mm. beat to their own drum, like he was all of those things. And in, 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 from my perspective, my lens, like I just felt like he never really let things stick to him negatively. He just was constantly. And then to find out he passed away, just it just it just kind of was just another one of those moments where, you know, you're greeted with death in life and you just realize 
we don't know. We don't know the time. We don't. We, we like to pretend that, you know, we are these like mind readers and that we all have these crystal balls and that, I don't, you know, but this is an individual who was like on top of his health, you know, like constant checkups, constant daily, knew everything about his body, like had to, had to know everything because of the, you know, the cancer and stuff. He had, he had to go into these, he had to do these monthly chemo sessions to make sure that it didn't, didn't come back and stuff like that too. And he would always, even just the way he phrased that. Like when he went to one of those sessions, he, it would obviously hit his system really hard and he would have to maybe take a day off and he would maybe come into the office and see, and he'd be like, Oh, I just had to go do my thing this month. You know, no big deal. Like he would just like, and we're talking about where a lot of people, you know, would take that moment to look for self-pity or victimize, or, you know, they would come in the room and be like, yo, I did my chemo. So I had to, you know, I'm feeling a little bit sluggish and blah, 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 blah. But he just would never even talk like that. He didn't even talk like that. He was just like, oh, I just have to go do my thing this month. Um, I'm feeling fine though. We're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine. It's easy. It's this, like, it's just the level of optimism of life that, 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 that man had, I'll never forget. And, um, I remember when he passed away, the first thing that hit me in the head was, go get your damn health card now. Right now. Go to the doctor. Go make sure that like things are good. Life is good. That everything is, it's cool to know, to feel it. It's another thing to just be like proactive and just like, I'm going to just make sure that like my ducks are in a row, you know? Um and he always said, he was like, you're, you're, he always would tell me, you know, you're well ahead. You know, you, you're actively thinking about, I know, like he would hear me talk about my physical health all the time. And he'd be like, you know what? I wish I was as like diligent as you are now. He's like, you know, you'd always say those things to me. And um, yeah, I just wanted to share that story because it's just, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a relatable story to, you know, what Movember stands for. Um, mm -hmm. It's a relatable story for, you know, what, um, it's a reminder that, you know, life is pretty fickle. Um, and that, you know, your pride isn't worth death. Your pride isn't worth feeling sick. Um, so yeah, check the, check the, check the ego, man. And, mm. uh, if you're feeling sick or if you're feeling like, you know, you want to just get some mental clarity, you know what I mean? Go get checked. Um, mm. And that, I mean, that obviously prostate and stuff like that, you know, there's, there's a timeline for that. If you're young, you know, you don't right. have to go right now. <laughs> um, but just other things, right? Like I, I got my first physical a couple months ago, my first one in like seven years, eight years. I've been to a doctor in like 10 years. I was very much a, when I'm sick, I'll go type of guy out of sight, out of mind. You know, I feel good. I feel fine, whatever. Um, and that, and that mentality is just, you know, Art Philip to me is just a reminder that that mentality is flawed. There's a lot of holes in it and that mm. out of sight out of mind doesn't really work when it comes to physical health. You mm. know, it's not really, at least do the yearly physical, the very least every year, go get your little check, get checked up, make sure everything is still good. Um, so yeah, this, this episode I want mm -hmm. to dedicate to, uh, to Art Philip. Uh, I love you. I appreciate everything that you've ever given me and, um, you'll forever be remembered, man. I, uh, it's just too bad we didn't get enough enough time together. But I always I always thought he'd be perfect for this episode. Um, so mm -hmm. make sure no I share kidding. that story. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and shout out to you, Art. Uh, you will forever be uh, lived or living amongst us with this episode as we release this. So uh, thank you so much for your input and thank you for sharing that story. Uh, it's so interesting hearing about someone who ha has had two experiences with, with 
two experiences with with testicular cancer. Like I, I, I can't say that I personally know any, so now I do, and it is something I don't think I've ever really just considered coming across my space. So I just, like you said, out of sight, out of mind. And I think the funny part about out of sight, out of mind is how we'll look at our body physically and it'll be insight. So we'll focus on that, but anything on the inside, anything that we can't see, it automatically aligns with that statement. Like I can't see it. So why would I think about it? Can't see it. So why would I think about it? Um, I'll just think about what I can see. And it, it was just a wild thing that just came to me, but, uh, like Anwar said, I think part of this journey is knowing that, or maybe not knowing that, but maybe just eradicating the statement man up because man up says, don't go get help and don't get support and don't go to the doctor ever. And here, here you are saying, I just went and got a physical. It, it did nothing necessarily to my life other than make me know and bring to light that I know I'm good. And that's it. And, and knowing you're good, knowing the things that are on the inside that you can't see are good. And that, that, and that in and of itself is like, what we said at the beginning is doing the maintenance. Like how many years can you go without doing that one specific maneuver? And then all of a sudden you're in art position where you might not be here out of nowhere. And I think it's just about recognizing that it means nothing about your manhood or your masculinity to go and do these checkups and to get a health card and to know that they're um, going to support you in preventing testicular or prostate cancer, or even in the context of mental health, going and having a conversation, like all of these things are in the same line. They're all the things you can't see. They're all there for things you can't see. And it's such, it's so much more important sometimes to focus on the things you can't see than the ones that you can. So uh, I'm very grateful for that story and grateful for the, the share about the physical health because um, it's exactly what Movember is aimed at doing and what we try to do with this podcast is support all aspects of health, not just one. So in the context of Movember, one thing that we always want to make sure we're doing on this podcast is we are opening up a space to share, to give perspective about how we've lived our lives to express the things that we're feeling. And at the same time, we also want to figure out uh, and share and come together as a community um, to bring to light all the things we are doing that are helping us and have helped us and are supporting us, whether it's mental uh, support, physical support, spiritual support, emotional support, whatever it is. So I'll send the question to you first, as usual, from this conversation, from the context of maybe even Movember, from physical to mental to prostate to testicular to all of the man things, um, what do you feel have has been, let's start with physical health, the number one thing that has helped you in your physical health and has, has contributed to where you are today and how you feel today? It's a good question. I think for, you know, I think physical health is one of those things where it's like you have to um, I always kind of address my weaknesses, you know, not necessarily my strengths, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if there's, there's someone might, maybe there's someone out there that is struggling with, you know, keeping weight off, you know, or, you know, uh, putting weight on or, you know, whatever your, I think number one is just to kind of, you know, do a self audit of just like, you know, where does your body perform well? Where does your body perform poorly? Um, you know what I mean? And then what do you want out of your body? right? Like, what do you want to achieve out of your body? I think that it's very easy. The, the amount of times I've heard someone say that they want to run a marathon because it's just a sexy thing to say, you know, like, I want to run a marathon. What are you, one of your goals? I want to run a right. marathon. I'm like, 
do you like to run? (laughs) Do you even like to run? Uh, And so for me, it's like, what does that self audit look like for yourself, you know, and really being honest with yourself, like, don't put down, I want to run a marathon, if you don't actually care about running a marathon. Um, Because that's just the serving of others, again, the the, the missing, like, you know, trying to get appreciated, like, you know, um, feeling appreciated by other people, um, Mm -hmm. things that, you know, other people would like, um, reward you for. So for me, it's like, get honest with that first and foremost. And that was a big thing for me too. I think I was achieving nothing in the gym when I was like, I had the mindset of what I thought other people wanted for me in the gym. Like I was getting nowhere. No, no, I wasn't getting anywhere close to where I wanted to be. Uh, I was actually ruining myself in the process. And, um, it really, the, the biggest shift for me physically was the shift of like changing and maneuvering my whole entire way of working out around my injuries completely real and Mm -hmm. it's it's a tough thing because it's a big hit on the the pride right like your short-term pride and ego is like you're going to the gym and you're doing very very like boring you know mobility stuff and like this is not going to lead to a bigger chest or bigger biceps or you know what i mean like this like taking a towel and crunching your toes together to develop a, a stronger arch is not going to lead to someone it's speaking to you at the at a bar. Like it's, it's just sexy. not, none of that stuff is going to lead to. So <laughs> y- you have to really get real with yourself. Like, what do I want to achieve? You know what I mean? Like, what does this mean for me? And the craziest part is that I was trying to, you know, obviously before, and I was looking for gains in, in the, in the other way trying to fulfill whatever the universe wanted from me or society, I was getting no gains. Lo and behold, I go about it my way and I go and I start focusing on where my body is um, hurting, give it some more love. Sure. It's taken me longer, but I've hit two personal bests. I've squatted two plates. I've, I've benched two plates. Like I've, I've achieved things I've never achieved before. Mm-hmm. And so the irony in it was, you know, when I was look, when I was chasing gains, I wasn't getting any gains. When I listened to my body, the gains came. Um, And so it's just, Mm -hmm. and the reframe there, the biggest reframe for me was when I shifted from the word longevity kind of saved me in the gym. It was like, you know, how do I want to define my, my physical journey? Like, what do I want? You know, what do I want out of my physical journey? And the word I I gravitated to in that space was longevity. I want to do this for a long time. Like I want to be able to play sports with my kids. I want to play sports for a damn long time Mm -hmm. because sports brings me so much joy that the, the, put it simply the longer i can play sports the happier i'll be right right the second that elephant gets taken away or the second that you know um that elephant in the room is removed like life's quality goes right down for me like I, it, it loses a lot of flavor so it's like if you just reverse engineer that it just means you need to do the less sexy exercise in the gym because <laughs> those are the ones that are going to lead you to being able to play sports for a long time which is directly connected to your happiness. So who cares how you look in the gym, right? Um, And so that shift was huge for me, but that was rooted in identifying what I wanted, which was, you know, to to, to play sports for a long time, putting value to uh, something that was more personal, a mission that was more personal. It's like, you know, I want to do this for a long time. Um, and then, and then strategizing around that and just living with how it looks like it's not, it's not sexy, but you know, I know what I'm, I know why I'm in the gym and my why is strong there. Um, now that I've, you know, re reorganized it all. Um, 
and the irony of it all, I just find it funny is that I'm just, act, I'm actually doing so much better. Like right. I'm doing significantly better. Uh, <laughs> my body is just like, Oh yeah. Thank you for paying attention to this before we started that, you know, um, mentally I've been doing a lot of stuff mentally. Um, but the, the, the coolest thing that has come into my space in the last little bit mentally is kind of by accident, we created this accountability group. Like it, it was me and my other, my two buddies from like, you know, um, best friends from high school. We made this group and it was kind of originally predicated on me and my one buddy were doing these push-ups and squats, like hundred push-ups a day, a hundred sit-ups a day. And so we would just send each other when we completed the day. It was just like check mark, did my work, did my work, did my work. Then one of our, the, our other high school buddies was just like kind of struggling with his fitness and stuff. And we were like, you can join our, we'll, mm. you can join our little thing, but like, if you don't do it, like, you know, and it was like, okay, cool. So he joins and it becomes this group of three and we're posting every day of like, and so like, now I have this thing of like, okay, cool. Like I have these two guys that are holding me accountable to getting this thing done. Lo and behold, that just became a accountability group for everything. We just started throwing all our goals in there. I was like, Hey, I want to read this many books this year. So I took a picture of the book I'm reading now, sent it. And then they're like, where are you at with the book? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm here and here with the book. And, you know, and then where are you at with your physical journey? Where are you at with this? And instead of, and, and in this group chat, we've created such a safe space that like we're posting like that personal best. I recorded it and I sent it there instead of going online, right? Instead of like just sharing it with a bunch of random people who are, are not there to support you in your journey. They're there to kind of like poke holes at it and, and find ways that like, you know, right. Like, did you do it with this? Did you do it with this? Like, you feel so proud of this moment and it's a sacred moment. And I found that this accountability, and I'm off social media right now, right? So it's like, I found, I'm like, whoa, this is so much more powerful because when I posted in this group chat, these people give a damn. They care about the storyline. Like, like it's, and it's a no ego thing either. Like, so it's been super cool. I've, I've really been enjoying it. I've never been a part of, um, a very isolated kind of, and I, obviously these guys are my close friends, but it's, it's been really cool. Uh, and so, you know, I would say we've talked about meditation. We've talked about, you know, all these other things that we've done before. Something I'll add to, you know, give you new value today in this conversation is find someone in your, your circle that has similar goals as you and, 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 and find each other, find a way to keep each other accountable to, mm. to, to the goal that you're trying to achieve, especially if it's close, right? Like, me and these three guys, we all have very similar goals and we all like it because it's the other cool part about it is that like now the journey is shared. And I really love that. Like, I love that they've been a part mm. of this last three months and they've seen they've seen me go from this, that and the third. And, you know, there's times where, you know, you're not feeling it and the guy posts his score and he says like, yo, man, I completed my day. Like, where are you guys at? Are you guys doing it today? And you weren't going to do it, but then you're like, oh, I'm going to get it done, you know? And mm -hmm. it's the accumulation of those efforts that really, when you look, when you look back five years, you're going to be like, every one of those days mattered. All mm -hmm. those stringing of days mattered. Um, and what you never look at is who helped you glue them together? You know? Yeah, you did it all. But how many times did they push the needle for me that day that gave me that kick that made me get a tick and on that day, right? It wasn't self-driven. It was someone else drove it, but I did it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that yin and yang has been very, very serving. It's been very, very helpful for me. And um, it's really kind of erased this idea of even needing that approval from social media because I'm getting approval from people that care about me. And that that feels great. That feels mm -hmm. really good. Um, and they're along for the journey. So 
uh, accountability groups. I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how to make them because this happened by accident, but <laughs> it's been, it's been serving me very well. Uh, I guess my short advice would be start with people that are like, like, like-minded and have similar goals as you start there. Um, and then see what you guys can kind of put together and then start small. This thing started with like push-ups and sit-ups. That's it. Right. And, and just updating each other on that. Um, but yeah, that's been great. I've been loving that. Love that. That's a great share. Yeah. It's so, so different too. And I think that I, I, there's a few, um, separate pockets of, of men that I know right now that have created those. And I think it's so incredible because they just speak so highly of them and it's so different and it's usually just two or three. It's nothing usually big. I think that it doesn't have to be big. I also know of one on Facebook that I, uh, was a part of for a bit there that was, you know, I think eight or nine, and we use the group itself as the way of accountability it and checking in and stuff. So there's so many different ways to go about it. So I love that that's supporting you so powerfully and such a, such a great idea, such a good idea. Um, for me, uh, physically, um, I've done something similar to you and switching it up in the sense of, I started doing kettlebell work. So I, I spent so much of my life thinking kettlebells were for babies. Um, the word I would use is kettlebells are for pussies. I don't use that word anymore, but that's what I would say. I would think kettlebells are ridiculous. I think they were so dumb. And now that I'm using them because I feel like they are going to help me in the sense of my fluidity, the, the fluidness of how my body's going to move while also being able to build you know, a, a, a firm foundation of muscles. I recognize some things like my abs would show. I could have abs, but they weren't actually strong. Like they weren't overly strong abs, um, which is very contradicting for me. So it's this navigation of, okay, I look bigger and whatnot, but I, I don't know if necessarily I feel better and I feel stronger and I feel more, more rooted in my, my strength. So I started doing kettlebells and it has been phenomenal. And finding out the movements and recognizing, whoa, like, <laughs> you know, you watch all these people do these kettlebell movements and you're like, eh, it's easy. I won't do that, but it's easy. And then I try to do it and I'm like, I can't move that way. I don't know how you did that, but I cannot move that way. So then what that births is a focus on um, stretching all of the time, all of the time. I'm, I'm walking down the street. I feel a little tightness, stretch. I'm, I'm at work. I feel a little tightness, stretch. I'm at home before I go to bed, I roll out and stretch. Like I don't stop because what I recognize is how much tension in my life comes from the tension in my body. My body is feeling tense. Then I, I tend to be more tense with other situations in life, like work or relationship, whatever, like all the areas, because I feel tense in my body. But if I were to feel, you know, how I feel now, which is a little bit more fluid and a little bit more loose, um, then I feel more flow, flowing and fluidity with life. So my body is really teaching me that, which has been incredible. So that's what I would, uh, that's what's working for me right now and has worked for a little while is, is getting away from this bodybuilding mindset of looking a specific way and just relinquishing that image a bit. And just like knowing that I would rather have my body feel good first than look good. So that's the biggest thing. And then uh, mentally for me, it has been a weird journey right now. I'm in a weird, weird spot. But what I recognize is that I don't give myself a lot of credit for the things I do in the day. Um, I, I find myself like, you didn't do enough. What did you do today? You didn't accomplish anything. And I find myself in that space often. So what I started doing <laughs> was actually um, less, which I know sounds weird, but I started to do less. And what I mean by less 
I call it less because it feels like less, but I started listening to myself more rather than listening to everybody else. Cause I, I would give credit to my day by reading a book and listening to a podcast and watching this YouTube and um, talking to this person. And, and all of these things are things outside of myself. And so if I didn't do those things and I would give myself no credit for the day, I wouldn't, I didn't accomplish anything. And so instead, what I've decided to do is in those moments where I would usually reach for those things, uh, I will be with myself and I will open up my laptop or my phone notes and I'll be like, okay, what are you thinking today? And then I'd be like, okay, well, I'm thinking about this relationship thing. Okay, cool. Thinking about this course. All right. Well, what are you thinking about this course? And just like allowing my thoughts to flow and maybe starting with a question and being like, okay, uh, what do you, what do you think about this? And then writing down my answer and just seeing how far I can take that and finding where my answers lie, finding where my wisdom is, my knowledge is, all the things that I actually do know that I just don't give myself credit for and putting all those out on paper instead of regurgitating everybody else's message, creating my own, finding my own. What, do, what, does, what does my authenticity look like? And what that's birthed is in a full expression of my authenticity and, and being myself as often as I um, can be. It's just becoming more natural because I'm listening to myself more. And I'm listening to myself more and I'm finding myself more and I'm seeing myself more clearly. So that's for me, a differentiator out of, like you said, meditation and um, talking to someone and all these things. It's, it's talking to myself. What are your thoughts? What's happening? What's there? Um, where's your creative side? And just letting that flow again, that fluidity of, of my day has really opened up my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't know were there. Um, so that's my, that's my biggest uh guidance, I guess. Yeah. I mean, something that you, you're, you're, you're speaking directly to right there is this, uh, this consumption versus creating mindset. Right. And that's, that's, that's what we live in the digital world. That's one of our biggest problems is how much time are you spending consuming versus creating? And it's a lot of the times when people, you know, question or ask like, Oh, you're not on social media anymore. You're not this, you're not that, you're not this, you're not that. And that is my rebuttal is mm. I've, I've consumed i'm trying mm -hmm. to create right now mm -hmm. like i'm trying to create something for myself yeah. um that world is just it's just consumption oriented right like there's nothing there's nothing in that world you can get you can waste years of your life just watching other people's lives versus creating your own you know mm -hmm. and uh it takes the I, I i try to let the the creativity lead me to the research not the research to lead me to the creativity you know mm -hmm. Where is my block and what I'm writing? And then how can I find information that helps me get, off, uh, get out of that block, right? Mm -hmm. It starts with like writing the first paragraph, the second paragraph, then, oh, I'm stuck. What do I need here? Then go mm -hmm. and find inspiration and then go and finish off what you're writing, right? Versus a lot of people will just sit there with a blank piece of paper and then just consume, 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 consume to, to hope that that will start writing the paper for you. doesn't work that way. And I say that from experience. I've been there for a long time. <laughs> Yep. I, me too. I, I, I was there for a long time. Yeah. I, I appreciate that share. That's awesome. So with this episode, again, we talked about earlier about it being a Movember episode. Uh, this isn't necessarily a way that is sponsored by Movember, but we know how important this topic is. We know how much this has impacted our lives, mental health, prostate, and testicular cancer. So um, just to wrap up the episode, there's something on their website. Uh, Movember.com is where you can go to find out more information about the actions that they're taking, the support that they're providing. And it'll also give you support if you're looking for it. It'll give you ideas, uh, structure, a little bit of knowledge and wisdom about what 
testicular and prostate cancer looks like, as well as mental health resources. But they have on there, they say five things every man should know. And I thought the simplicity of this was important to share because it's something we share often here. Five things every man should know. One, spend time with people who make you feel good. So we all have that. Two, talk more. Three, know the numbers. So the numbers of when to get checked and what that means. Four, know thy nuts simply. <laughs> know your nuts. Uh, and number five, what we talked about today is move more. So those are the five things that they believe every man should know. The simplicity of that, I think, speaks volume. And if you are looking for support mentally, there is a specific helpline that you can call. Uh, the number is one 456 four, five, six, six. And some will be, uh, someone will be on the other end of that phone there to support you. So just remember that you're not alone, that we're here with you. This is why we do this. And November, no, November is such a great month to remind us of that. And, you know, let's get rid of the Starbucks cups, uh, Christmas cups. We don't need those. Let's, let's make November our flag. Let's like Anwar said yesterday to me, he's like, let's root this flag. Let's, let's plant this flag and know that every November um, is so much more important than we give it its credit for. It's not an interlude month of just empty space between Halloween and Christmas. It's a, it's, it's a month for us to focus on us. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.